Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 17. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you haven't been with us, Peter, James, and John were went up to the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. We talked about that. From mountaintop last week, we talked about from mountaintop to valley low, the Mount of Transfiguration. They come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and they run into a demon-possessed boy. It was actually a father who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm tired. He said, Jesus, I've had it. My boy is a lunatic as a result of demon possession. And the demon is trying to kill my son. Were you here last week? Do you remember? The demon was trying to kill his son, throwing him in the water, trying to drown him, throwing him in the fire, trying to burn him up, trying to destroy him. And this father was at its wit's end. And so the father took the boy to the disciples. Because remember, Jesus gave them power over all sickness, over all diseases, and over demons. And so this father took his son to the disciples, and they couldn't cast out the demon, and they couldn't help him. And so Jesus, he brings the boy to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, please have compassion on us. Help us. And Jesus said, can you believe? And he said, remember I talked about it last week, the most honest statement in the Bible. He said, Lord, I believe. What saints? Help my unbelief. You know it. And with the word of his power, I love that. I I wish I could preach it again. I just don't have time this morning. With the word of his power, no sweat, Jesus said, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. And the demon left the boy and the disciples looked at each other and they said, how come we couldn't do that? I love that. They don't get it. I like to pick on the disciples. I know when I get to heaven, they're probably going to beat me up. I say it every week. They said, how come we couldn't do that? Jesus said, because this kind only comes out by prayer and by fasting. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here, pick up the CD. This morning we pick up in verse 22 of chapter 17. Saints, if you're there, say amen. And when they were staying in Galilee in verse 22, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up And they were exceedingly sorrowful. We've got to stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus was in the area of Caesarea Philippi. Got a pen? Take some notes. I'm going to move a bit quick here. Jesus was in the area of Caesarea Philippi. Jesus is back at his base of operation. We can call it that. That would be Capernaum. This is where Jesus' headquarters 
of ministry was in the area of Capernaum and in the area of Galilee, in the city of Capernaum in the area of Galilee. This is a beautiful area. If you've been to Israel with us, you know that. For the third time, Jesus, did you notice this, begins to talk about his death. He keeps trying to tell the disciples about his death. He keeps trying to prepare them that he's going to die. And so for the third time, he's talking about his death. He says the son of man will be betrayed into the hands of men. It was C.H. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, and he said it this way. He said, for man he lived, by man he is betrayed, and by man he died. He died. And then notice Jesus said in our text, he said, they will kill me. This word kill, you might want to circle in your Bible and in your margin, write the word execute. They will execute him. Now, now don't misunderstand here because many people have this misunderstanding that Jesus was executed. That they took poor Jesus by force. He didn't know. He couldn't help it. They just took him and crucified him. They executed him. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear in many texts that Jesus wasn't passive or helpless about his death. Jesus intentionally faced death. This is important. Luke chapter 9 verse 51 tells us when the time came, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Luke chapter 18 verse 31 says, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets will be accomplished. John chapter 10 verse 15 through 18 reads this, as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice that I lay down my life. And other sheep have I have that I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. You see, (laughs) Jesus is making it undeniably clear that no one took his life. This is important as you understand the atonement, as you understand the sacrifice of Jesus, understand, first of all, that they didn't take him. He willingly laid down his life for your sin and for my sin. Amen, saints. And this is important to understand that they didn't kill Jesus. He offered his life. But Jesus didn't just leave them with the bad news. Did you notice that in your text? He gave them the good news. The good news is what? The third day he's going to rise again. The good news is that Jesus didn't stay dead. Someone once said it like this. They said, he sugared the bitter pill of his death with the sweetness of his assured resurrection. He sugared the bitter pill of his death with the sweetness of of his assured resurrection. And when they heard that, they were sorrowful and they didn't like it. Did you notice that in the last part that we read? Well, then notice, notice this here. Mountain top, mountain high, valley low. They come in the valley, as I said, and they run into a demon-possessed boy. But now, believe it or not, it gets even more low because now Jesus has got to pay his taxes 
That's pretty low. Look at verse 24. If you're there, say amen. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher pay the temple tax? And he said, yes. Circle that. And when he had come into the house, Jesus underlined this, anticipated him, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take custom or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said to him, from strangers. And Jesus said to him, then the sons are free or exempt. Isn't that a beautiful word? Exempt. I love hearing that, especially around February. (laughs) Exempt. Free. Nevertheless, in verse 27, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. What a great way to pay your taxes. <laughs> Honey, our taxes are due. Okay, I'm going fishing. <laughs> it's like, okay. You know, it's been said that there are two things that are certain in life. Death, you guessed it, and taxes. The farmer's almanac says this. A tax collector has what it takes to take what you've got. And that is very true. There was a man in vacationing in Acapulco, and he heard a woman screaming on the beach while she knelt in front of her child. The child had swallowed a coin. He held the boy by his heels, gave him a few shakes, and an American quarter dropped to the sidewalk. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, the woman cried. You, you, you know, you just knew how to get the money out of him. Are you a doctor, the lady said. He says, no, ma'am, replied the man. He said, I'm the United States Internal Revenue Service. Two things are certain, death and taxes. And I want you to notice something here. Jesus experienced them both. Jesus died for our sins, the Bible says, and Jesus paid taxes. Now, I want you to notice something. There's something that we need to notice. And if you're not careful about this miracle, you will miss these things. Some very unique things about this miracle. If you're taking notes, let me give you some unique things about this miracle. Number one, this story of the fish and paying taxes is only recorded in the book of Matthew. This is the only gospel that it's recorded in. And you might remember, Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. And here we have the king of the Jews who doesn't have enough money to pay his own taxes. Very interesting. The second unique thing about this miracle, it's the only miracle that Jesus performed to meet his own needs. The only one in scripture. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus never did miracles to meet his own needs. He always did miracles to meet the needs of others. Number three, the third unique thing about this miracle. It's the only miracle in the Bible using money. Using money. If you had the power, if I had the power to do miracles, most certainly I would have been making money. I think we all would. 
But this is the only place in the Bible that Jesus does a miracle using money. Jesus didn't go around making money to benefit himself. Now tell that to some of the TV preachers. Tell that to some of the evangelists today on TV that's trying to make money from people to benefit themselves in the name of the kingdom. Jesus didn't do that. Number four, this miracle is unique because it's the only miracle in the Bible using one fish. One fish. All the other miracles, there were lots of fish. You might remember the story where Jesus came to Peter and he told Peter to throw his net on the other side because they were out fishing. And Jesus comes up and he says, hey, guys, you're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Now, I don't know if you got this, but this is a miracle. The boat is only four feet wide. Jesus would walk up and say, hey, you guys are fishing on the other wrong side of the boat. Well, what did all the fish decide to stay on the other side of the boat? This is a miracle. And so, and they probably said, Jesus, you're nuts. Jesus, what difference does it make? And what did they do? They threw the net on the other side of the boat and they were like, wow. And they brought in the net and they counted 153 fish. You see, this is the only miracle in the Bible where Jesus uses one fish. It's unique. Number five, the fifth unique thing about this miracle is that it was performed for Peter alone. For Peter alone. Now, Jesus performed other miracles for Peter alone as well, but he seemed to have an affection for Peter. You might remember that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law in Mark chapter 1. Jesus enabled Peter to walk on water in Mark and Matthew chapter 14. They came to arrest Jesus, and, and, and you might remember Peter took out his sword. I love Peter. He took out his sword, and he cut off Malchus' ear. And Jesus picks up the ear and says, Peter, you got to stop. Puts the ear back on, heals the man. He did that for Peter alone. Acts chapter 12, Peter alone was in prison. And Jesus set him free. And you remember the disciples, and particularly a woman by the name of Rhoda, were, were praying for Peter to get out of prison. And God set him free. Remember? And Peter comes to the door where they were praying, and he knocks on the door. And Rhoda goes to the door and looks through the keyhole, looks through the eye hole thing. The keyhole's lower, the eye hole deal. And, and she sees this Peter. And she goes back and she tells him, she says, guys, we've been praying for Peter to get out of prison and he's out of prison. And they said, no way. They said, no way. He can't be. Isn't it funny how when we're praying for something, God answers it and we say, oh, it can't be. You know, <laughs> that just can't be. And, and the Lord set him free. And so here we see the Lord for Peter alone did a miracle and set him free from, from, from prison. And then there's one last thing about this miracle that I think is interesting. It's the only miracle in the Bible that doesn't record the results of the miracle. This chapter does not have a verse 28. It's verse 27 is the end of it. Did you notice it doesn't say, and Peter went down to the sea, cast in a hook, pulled up a fish, opened his mouth, took a coin, paid his and Jesus taxes. It doesn't say that. It simply says that Jesus gave him the instructions to go and do it. 
So then you say to me, Rodney, then how do we know that, you know, the results that it actually happened? If the Bible doesn't tell us it happened. Well, I, I think it's simple as this. I, I, I believe it happened. It actually happened. They actually got the coin. They actually paid the taxes because Jesus said to go do it. Amen. You see, you got to understand something here. What God has spoken, write this down. What God has spoken cannot be broken. If you agree with that, say Amen. What God has spoken cannot be broken. There's a great verse in 1 Kings, just tucked away in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56. And it says, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise. You see, what God has spoken cannot be broken. Jesus said it would happen, and I believe Jesus. Amen, saints? And I believe it happened. And the Bible doesn't, just because Jesus, look, Jesus has never, throughout all the scriptures, told anyone to go and do something that they could not do. Jesus has never told anyone to go do something that was impossible Or that did not happen. So we have all of the authority of scripture to believe, verse 28, if you will, that it actually did happen. They found the coin and they paid the taxes. So in your text, a group of tax collectors, they come and ask Peter. They say, Peter, does your master pay the temple tax? In Jesus' day, understand something. The temple, understand, the temple was not supported by tithes and offerings. The temple was not supported by passing the plate several times in a church service. That's a whole nother sermon, y'all. We don't have time for that. If you think you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Good, that's half of y'all. Because there's some churches believe that you've got to pass five offerings in order to, you know, church is going to close if we don't get any money from y'all, so extract money from you in creative, inventive ways. The temple in the Bible was not supported that way. Once a year, how was it supported? Here it is, once a year, write this down, Exodus 30, read it in your own time. It simply says this, every man was required to give a half a shekel of silver once a year. Period. Every man, once a year, a half a shekel of silver. And if you were really devout, you would pay or give more money during the year, but it was not required. But no self-respecting Jew, might I add, would not pay the temple tax. That's how they supported the temple. So these men who were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, did you notice they come and ask Peter what they should have asked Jesus? Isn't it amazing how people do that? You know, hey, well, well, you, hey, uh, Peter, uh, you know, what's going on with Jesus? I mean, didn't Peter should have said, why don't you go ask Jesus? See, I think they were afraid of Jesus. I think Jesus, good thing I ain't Jesus. I'd, I'd, I'd turn him a toast. I'd burn him up. You know what I mean? Burn, burn him up. Jesus, why aren't you paying attention? None of your business. Poof! You know. But they, Jesus is loving. He's not like us. Amen, saints? He's so not like us. And so these men, they are looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They come to Peter and they say, tell me, does your master pay the temple tax? Does he support the temple operation? And Peter said, yes. 
Now, I find that interesting because Peter is saying yes, and he really doesn't know. I told you the disciples are something else, didn't I? Peter doesn't know. You ever do that? Somebody asks you something and you go, yeah, um, I think so. Uh, Let me go check. That's what Peter, Peter, he really doesn't know. He just kind of opened his mouth, insert foot. And so, and notice it's here. And let me give you three things, three simple lessons that I think we can learn from this text. I'm trying to summarize it here. Three simple lessons that I think we can learn from this text. I want you to look at verse 25 again. Notice when Peter said yes. When he had come into the house, notice Jesus anticipated him saying. Did you see that? Peter obviously was outside. Jesus was inside. Peter goes inside to talk to Jesus about paying the temple tax. And when Peter came into the house, he anticipated Jesus prevented or interrupted Peter. And Jesus began to speak first. Now, this is interesting and important because if you study the scriptures, you see that Peter was always being interrupted. Remember when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration? He said, let's build three booths, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for you, Jesus. And a voice came booming out of the heavens, the voice of the Father interrupting Peter and said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. You see, Peter was interrupted by the Father on the mountain, and now he's being interrupted by the Son in the house. Jesus interrupts him and then answers the question that he's coming in to answer, to ask. Did you notice that? In other words, what does that tell us? Well, here's a lesson for us. God, Jesus, knows everything. He knows everything. Now, in theological terms, that's the word omniscient. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He's this incredible ability to know what you're thinking. You can't hide from him. You can't hide your thoughts from him. He knows what you're thinking right now. That's scary. You're like, okay, think about Jesus. We're in church. Think about Jesus right now, right now. Think about Jesus. And he knows that you're trying to think about him, but you're not really thinking about him, but you're trying to think about him. He knows everything. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it tells us this. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open To the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You know, someone once said, he is the silent listener to every conversation. Jesus is. That's convicting and it can be comforting. Both. I mean, it's convicting because he knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're saying. You know, he knows what you talk about at home. What if somebody bugged your house at home? And then we bought the tape to church and played it over the loudspeaker. That would be interesting. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're, what, he knows what you were thinking and talking about coming to church this morning. That would be interesting. You know, God knows everything. So that can be convicting. But it can also be comforting because there are times that you say something you shouldn't stay. You shouldn't say there are times when you say something or you stumble or you fall. You know, God knows the intent of your heart. In Psalm 139, it says, you understand my thoughts afar off. You understand my thoughts from their origin. David says God is omniscient. Not only is he omniscient, but he's also he also controls everything. Now, that tells us that he's omnipotent. 
He has all power. He controls everything. This is an amazing miracle. Remember the Sea of Galilee, again, beautiful. If you travel with us, you'll see it. But the Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide and 13 miles long. All the circumstances had to come together to get the coin in the fish's mouth. Someone had to drop the coin. The fish had to be there to grab it. Peter had to drop his line at the right time. And the hook goes in the mouth of the right fish. You know, all of the circumstances, you see, it's a miracle. Somebody, one guy tried to say, I was reading some commentaries, and he said that this is not a miracle, that, you know, the fish just happened to be swimming by and grab it off the bottom. And I'm like, that's just stupid. I mean, the, the reality is, this is an incredible miracle of God. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.